Uh, you did sing loudly. Uh, it was good to hear uh, lots of voices singing those songs of praise to the one who is worthy of it. So uh, thanks for singing Merry Christmas. It's good to be together on this day. Uh, I'm grateful for songs that help us know and rejoice in deep truths. My favorite Christmas hymn is one we sang earlier. That's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. In that is this line, Hail the Incarnate Deity. That's the title of today's sermon. Hail the Incarnate Deity. Many of you know my family. Many of you have known us for 10 years now. That means you've known me for less than a quarter of my life, but it means that you've known our youngest daughter, Mariah, for almost her whole life. She's 11, and many of you have known us for 10 years. Those of you who know Mariah might know some things about Mariah. You might know that she knows how to love other people well, that Mariah loves to be social. That Mariah enjoys making food and making music, and maybe this is typical for the youngest child, maybe not, but she doesn't mind a little attention. Uh, She was actually very happy that I was going to be talking about her at the beginning of my sermon this morning. You may know Mariah a little bit, but you would know Mariah even more if you knew the story of her birth. You see, in 2011... It was just like this year, Christmas Eve on a Saturday night and Christmas Day on a Sunday morning. And in 2011, our family participated in our church's Christmas Eve service out in South Dakota where we were living. That included Annika, Isaiah, me, and a very pregnant Kirsten being up on the stage that evening. Within just a few hours, though, at about 2 o'clock in the morning... We called a friend in our church and asked her to come and stay with our older kids so that Kirsten and I could go to the hospital. The time had come for her to give birth. Mariah was born on Christmas Day 2011, 11 years ago today. And so you know that about Mariah, then you know a little bit more about Mariah. But Mariah's story started even before her birth. And you would know Mariah better if you knew that story. Now, that's a long story, and I don't have time to tell it today, but the one-sentence summary of that story is this. While Kirsten was pregnant with Mariah, Kirsten experienced a pulmonary embolism requiring lots of care from multiple doctors, a chest tube, a surgery, and many nights in the hospital, and we didn't know what would happen with the little baby growing in her womb. But here Mariah is, and here Kirsten is, and I am a thankful husband and dad. Today is Christmas, which means it's not only Mariah's birthday every year, but it's also the day that Christians set aside to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And if we want to know Jesus, we can turn to one of the four Gospels that tells us about who he is. If we wanted to know Jesus, we could turn to the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark would tell us about Jesus starting at the point of Jesus' earthly ministry when Jesus was about 30 years old. That's where Mark starts. But if we wanted to know more about Jesus, we could turn to the Gospel of Matthew, 
where Matthew includes some of the account of Jesus' birth and traces Jesus' family history all the way back to Abraham. But if we wanted to know even more about Jesus, we could turn to the Gospel of Luke, where we have the clearest and most detailed account of not only Jesus' birth, but what happened in the months leading up to it. That's all of chapter 1 in Luke before we even get to Jesus' birth in chapter 2. But then we have Jesus' family history laid out by Luke in chapter 3, where Luke takes us not all the way back to Abraham, but all the way back to Adam. So we get to know Jesus more by looking at at all of these different gospel accounts. But today, we're going to look at the gospel account of John. The fourth gospel, John summarizes the birth of Jesus in only one verse. But we can get to know Jesus more in this gospel because in John's gospel, he takes us all the way back to the beginning, even, in fact, before the beginning. So that's where we're going to look on this Christmas morning, John chapter 1. Actually, uh, Lynn read a a good portion of that, um, more than I'm actually going to preach on this morning, just before he preached. But uh, we can't hear the Word of God too much, like, oh, that's enough of that this morning. So if you're able to, I'm going to read it again. If you're able to, would you stand as I read John chapter 1? We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 and then skip ahead to verse 14. Let's pray. God, we, we want to know your Son. We, many of us, trust that your Son is the one who you promised, the one who would come to save us and set things right again. And so on this Christmas Day, we rejoice that Jesus, the eternal and incarnate Word, is fully God and fully man. That He came, that He lived, that He died, that He rose, that He ascended, and that He will come again. Thank You that You are a God who makes and keeps every one of Your promises. Ignite our hearts to delight in You more this morning as we hear this picture of who Jesus is. In His name we pray. Amen. God's Word says this, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. You can be seated. It's going to be a shorter sermon this morning, just covering a few verses. Remind you that uh, when you come back next week on Sunday, Pastor Nick will be preaching and getting us back into the book of Hebrews. We're almost done. We'll be done by the end of January as we work our way through chapters 12 and 13 of Hebrews. So if you're wanting to read ahead for next week, I encourage you to turn there. But today we look at John's gospel because we want to know Jesus. 
And if we want to know Jesus, we don't just start with his birth, we go even further back, and I'm thankful that John does that for us. The beginning of John's gospel begins much like the beginning of the Bible itself. In the beginning. In the beginning, John says, was the Word. He's going to take us back to the beginning, back to the moment when there was nothing else except there was God in the beginning. Was the Word, he says. When everything else began, there already was something. We're just told here that it is the Word, capital W in your Bible. Well, we want to know what's he talking about, because that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. In the beginning was the Word, and then he says this, and the Word was with God. Okay, so as everything else began, God was there, and so was the Word, and there is this relationship between God and the Word. So it says, the Word was with God, but then it continues and says, and the Word was God. Okay, so, so somehow this Word, capital W Word, is both with God and is God. Let's keep going because we've got to figure this out. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. So we know what the beginning is. That is creation, when time and space and everything else comes into existence. And the only thing that existed before that was God. And with God, as God, is the Word. So what is the Word? Well, we're reading a couple of thousand years after the time that John wrote this. John wrote this in Greek, and we're reading a translation in English. John was writing to people who some spoke Greek, some spoke Aramaic, some knew Hebrew. So he's writing to a a vast variety of people, and he is doing something actually quite genius here that might be hard for us to see as we read it 2,000 years later in English. And when he uses this word, the word, or in Greek, logos, it meant something to all different kinds of people. To the Hebrews, it meant the, the word of God. To the Greeks, this word logos meant something else. What did it mean? Well, to put it most simply, this could be like a half hour long uh, sermon just on what does the word mean. Let me just put it simply. In John chapter 1, the word is the clearest expression of who God is. And the clearest expression of who God is that he's referring to here, which becomes more clear in verse 14, is Jesus. We have one God who exists eternally, like there was never a time when there was not God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Jesus, the one born of a woman that we celebrate on Christmas, is the eternal Son of God, or the Word referred to, here who was with God and who was God in the beginning. We want to know this Jesus. This this sounds intriguing. We don't just celebrate a baby born one day a little over 2,000 years ago and laid in a manger outside of Bethlehem. We celebrate the birth of the one who was eternally existent as the 
Word or Son of God. Verse 3 tells us a little more about Him. Verse 3, all things were made through Him. And saying it another way, without Him was not anything made that was made. He's just saying the same thing two different ways. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. That's everything. Air, atoms, galaxies, gravity, planets, proteins, big things, small things, eyeballs, electricity, dogs, DNA, all of it made by the word of His power. How many of you kids have been over Christmas, maybe more than other times, you're working with your parents in the kitchen? You've like made cookies or something. How many of you have done that? Nobody makes cookies or you're just like, okay, I'm not going to steal them. You can tell me. All right. Excellent. So you, you've made some stuff. But here's the thing, kids. When you made cookies, you had to make sure, maybe even you looked at the recipe before you started making them and made sure that you had everything on that list. Because you can't just like speak and cook. That would be cool, wouldn't it? If you could just say words and there's cookies. But you can't do that. Like if you're going to make cookies or if you're going to make frosting to put on cookies, you need some things. You need some flour. You need some sugar, some eggs. We make these sugar cookies and they have sweetened condensed milk in them. They're super good. You need some things if you're going to make something. God, from the beginning, when there was nothing, didn't have anything with which to make anything, yet he made everything. And it says that the Word is the one who is doing it. Jesus, the Son, eternally God, can speak and make something, everything, out of nothing. This is amazing. So if we want to know Jesus, we don't just know a baby born and laid in a manger. We know Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who spoke everything into existence. We can rejoice in this. And then verses 4 and 5 have lots of good news too, as all the verses below it do. It says this, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here, what John is really doing is just introducing some themes that if you read through the rest of his gospel, which if you don't have anything else to do today would be a great thing to do, you're going to see these themes come up again and again and laid out in a lot more clarity. But here he's just kind of giving you a little bit of a teaser. Jesus is life and light. The darkness will not overcome him. And I love this introduction to Jesus in the Gospel of John. A very cosmic kind of view. If we want to know and rejoice in Jesus, we don't start with His birth. We go all the way back to the beginning, even before the beginning, because Jesus is the eternal Word. This is making clear, if you weren't clear about this already, Jesus the one born, becoming fully human, laid in a manger, he was fully God and remained fully God and still is fully God. John makes this very clear. And when you start here with Jesus being the eternal word through whom everything comes into existence, 
When you start there, that makes a verse like verse 14 all the more astounding. Let's read it again. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Half of a verse is John's nativity account. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the Christmas story according to John. God from before the beginning has taken on a body. The Creator now has a cranium and kidneys. The Eternal One now has ears and enamel. The Maker has now taken on muscles and is growing molars, right? All of these things. Because Jesus, the eternal Son of God, through whom everything exists, has become fully human. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is good news. Jesus is God with us. Matthew will use the word Emmanuel, which just means God with us. Just a little bit ago, we sang this line. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Right? Pleased. This, this was not something against the will of the Father or against the will of the Son. God sent the Son on purpose. Jesus leaving his place of privilege in heaven to take on human flesh, to live and to be tempted and to suffer in every way, just as we do. Pleased as men with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. This is what we needed, God with us. God's people had experienced God with them in various ways at various times. Remember in the book of Exodus, God's presence traveling with them as a pillar of fire by night and a in a cloud by day. God's presence coming to rest in the tabernacle. That's actually the word that gets used here in verse 14. The word took on flesh and tabernacled among us. Came to dwell with us in such a better way than God's people had ever experienced before. God comes to dwell with his people in the person of Jesus. And we have seen his glory, it says in verse 14. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When the eternal word, the Son, was sent by the Father to dwell with us, we see the glory of God. That's what we say we want to happen as we gather together to worship. We want to get a glimpse of the glory of God. And we see the glory of God most clearly in the face in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says we, we are all blinded by the little g God of this world, by Satan. We're unable to see the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's our natural state. But if God has done a work in you by which you have recognized your sin and seen Jesus as who he actually is, as the one who came to live and to die and to be raised again, God opens up your eyes that you can see that. So that you're no longer blind to the glory of God that can be seen in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you would see this. And here's some application for us. 
Very simply, we need this. We, we needed a Savior to be both fully God and fully man. Because Jesus is fully God, He has the power to save sinners like us. No mere human would have the power to save sinners like us. But also, because He is fully man, He can fully identify with us and suffer in our place for our sin. He can be our representative and substitute. We needed a Savior who would be fully God and fully man. And that's the one who God sent and that's the one we're introduced to in the four Gospels. So, a couple of questions. First of all, very simply, do you know this? Like, like uh, is this news to you? Maybe for some of you, maybe you've been in church for a long time, maybe only a few times, I don't know. But, but do you know this? God didn't have you here today just so you could sing some traditional songs and boost your Christmas spirit, whatever that is. You're here today that you would know who Jesus is. That's why we're gathered together. I don't know what you came for, but I came to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. And so I hope, first and foremost, that you know this about Jesus. That Jesus is the eternal Son of God, the Word of God. The image of the invisible God, the one through whom all things were made. If you want to know God, you need to get to know Jesus. The eternal word, fully God, but also the incarnate word, fully human. Emmanuel, God with us. Do you know this? And then, importantly, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Knowing it alone isn't all we need. Knowing this, we must believe it. What, what holds us together as a church is not that we all have the same background or we all have the same passions or we all think the same jokes are fun. Like, what holds us together as a church is what we believe. And there's ten core statements that our church binds together around. Two of them are explicitly just about Jesus and who He is. One of them reads in this way. We believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. Fully God and fully man. One person in two natures. Jesus, Israel's promised Messiah, was conceived through the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, he lived a sinless life, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, arose bodily from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father as our high priest and advocate. That's what we believe as a church. And so my question to you is, do you believe this? Is this what you believe? The second part of our article of Statement of Faith about Jesus simply says this, We believe that Jesus Christ, as our representative and substitute, shed His blood on the cross as the perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice for our sins. His atoning death and victorious resurrection constitute the only ground for salvation. The reason I ask that question, do you believe this? Because I want you to know that if you don't believe the truth about who Jesus is and what He came to do, you can't be saved. The only way to be saved is through faith in Jesus who was the perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice for our sins. 
My hope is that you trust in Jesus today. And if you came in here not trusting in Jesus, that you would do what it says there in verse 12. To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. We talked about being adopted last night. This is what is offered to us in Christ. He has done everything that's necessary that we who were estranged and alienated from God because of our sin could be adopted. It's a gift, salvation, a gift to be received by faith. If you have not trusted in Jesus, I'd love to talk to you more about that before you even leave today, that today on the day where we celebrate the birth of Jesus might be the day that you can look forward to for all of eternity to celebrate as the day that you were born again. Many of us are gathered here today because we do believe this about Jesus. And believing it, we gather together to rejoice in it. Today is a day, even if it's a day filled with some emptiness, some loneliness, some grief, some sadness, we come together because we know we are to rejoice in this truth. Christmas moves us to rejoice with the angels because Jesus is God with us. He is God in flesh, God incarnate. That's why we sing words like, Hail the incarnate deity. Incarnate just means one who has taken on flesh. Deity means he's God. And so what do we do? We hail him. We worship him. We rejoice in him because of who he is. So we sang, Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come, let us adore Him. That's what we came together to do. And I'm glad we did. So we're going to close by singing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let's pray. God, thank You. That seems like, like, like we should be able to say more or say it better than that, but thank you. Thank you that you have shown us who you are. Thank you that by your Spirit you have caused many to be born again. Through faith in Jesus, blinders on our eyes taken off so that we can see Your glory in the person of Your Son. God, if that's a work that is You're doing even right now among some in here, I pray that they would take another step and confess that with their mouth. Me or other people around them. That today is the day they put their faith in Jesus and receive the gift of salvation. That today is the day where they are born again through faith in Him. God, thank You for sending Your Son, the eternal Word, fully God, God incarnate, fully man. You knew what we needed and You provided. You made a promise and You fulfilled it. Thank You that we can know You and trust in You. Now help us to rejoice in You for the rest of this day.